Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is Danny. Join me as we go deep into God's Word, as we discover the hidden gems and hidden treasures that God has made available to us all if we would have but ears to hear and eyes to see. As you come with me on this journey, let's explore God's Word and see what He desires to show and tell us in our day. This may be your first time or the next time, but I welcome you here. Let's dig in and see what the Lord has for us today. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is episode number five. Today I want to share a little bit, and it's such a huge topic that I couldn't possibly begin to do it justice in one episode. Perhaps uh, as the Lord leads, we may explore this in in future or subsequent topics, uh, episodes, but it's this topic of repentance. And this has been on my heart for some time as I feel the Lord begin to process how I process what it is, what what repentance is, what is what is the product of repentance. And I still have much to learn, but I do believe that he is opening my eyes to some some thoughts, some realities that I've never considered perhaps adjusting or recalibrating some things that I assumed to be the case or took for granted or mislearned. It's just there's a whole host of things that I think he is accomplishing in this. And I think that the body of Christ and those even considering what it means to be saved and to repent and be saved, I think even those would benefit from um, a, just an inkling of insight that I could provide by way of the Holy Spirit. And so I thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode, um, and I hope it blesses you. So as I said, the this burning question of what does repentance accomplish? Um, so many times in in our you know, Christian circles, we are taught a certain thing. We take for granted a certain thing. And so I ask the question, does the Bible indicate the purpose of repentance to the saved? Now, um, I do want to kind of preface this with there are so many verses throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, that expressly discuss repentance. And I couldn't possibly address every every one of them in such a small amount of time. And so I'm really landing on a couple that I want to just kind of marinate in. And so I hope that by doing this, we can get some additional insight. Now, oftentimes, this idea of repentance is a transitional thought. Um, Repent and be saved. Uh, Repent and believe. Repentance is this, is embedded in that, is, is the definition 
to to turn from and turn toward. It's to change the way you think. It is in a kind of a picture form, this idea of this 180 degree change in direction from going north to south or east to west. It is it is a change. And so in that inside of that revelation of of repentance, if now I'm not talking about those who are yet to be in the kingdom of God. Those who have yet to give their hearts to Jesus, those who have yet transitioned out of darkness into the marvelous light, there is repentance is necessary for that exchange. However, this is tailored towards those whom are already God's children, those whom have given their hearts to Christ and said, I deny myself and I will follow after you. This is who this question is targeting. But I believe it is a benefit to those who are not yet saved because it helps to to paint a picture more accurately, even though sometimes it's not portrayed in in some of some of more of our more teaching circles of influence inside of the church. So, does the Bible indicate the purpose of repentance to those whom are saved? Now we think, and and I am guilty of this. Perhaps I'm presupposing too much. But I, I have grown up thinking of this idea of repentance is about acknowledging my guilt in sin, and by repenting, I'm forgiven and I'm cleansed. And to, to all of us who, who sin, um, you know, none of us are without sin in the sense that we all will will struggle and fall in some form or fashion. Hopefully, over time, the Lord has renewed your heart and, and given you a change of mind, and so you're, you're going after Jesus with all your heart, and things that you struggled with before now are not quite the mountain they used to be through the grace of Jesus. And so, but we all, in some way, struggle in some form with sin. We, it's a constant denial of ourselves, and, and unfortunately, because of the frailty of our hearts and our minds, we, we, can, we can slip, but, but we must stay so close to His voice that we can hear Him whisper to us, you know, I called you to more than that, son or daughter. I called you to more than that. And so we must be, be massaged with the oils of, of His Spirit and we must be be pressable and and malleable to be formed into the image of the sun and so when we think of and when i have thought i think may, maybe many others have considered this or thought this or shared this thinking that repentance is about in a, in a word recleansing me it's it's identifying the sin, the dirt in my life that I have fell prey to. And as I ask forgiveness for whatever that sin is, 
then then I am re-cleansed. Now, embedded in that thought is this idea that my repentance is also about acceptedness. Or maybe a word that could be used is I'm re-justified. I am now I'm now accepted in the sight of God because I repented of this of this sin of this falling short of the glory of God. Now that is really the the root, the essence of what I believe the Lord was is is attempting to show me and by way show you. What if it's not about acceptedness? What if repentance now before you get nervous repent re- repenting is a necessary piece there's no there's no denying there's no there's no splitting hairs about it repentance is necessary repentance is important it's a declaration in scripture both old and new testament i i do not disconnect the the necessariness of repentance. But what I do want us to challenge in our mind is what is the outcome of repentance? What does it produce? What is, why do we do it? And that is where I believe we've missed the mark in much of our contemporary uh, Christianity. So I asked the question, what if it is not about making you acceptable. Now, remember, this we're talking about people who are saved, who are God's sons and daughters, who have received the gift of grace by faith in Jesus Christ, who have surrendered their hearts, denied themselves, and are following Jesus. This is a question tailored to you. See, when you surrender your heart to Jesus and you become his, what is the purpose of repenting of sin? Now, again, I'm inclined to believe, and, and I, this is, a, this is a, a significant conviction, that repentance changes shape in believers versus non-believers. Biblical repentance to those who are lost transfers them from darkness into the marvelous light. So again, we said now you're now you're, I'm speaking of those in light. What is the effect of repentance? Does it keep you in light? Now, I want to point this out. Repentance is an act of the will. It is something that I can choose to or choose not to do. That's very important to understand because it ties in to something that, you know, for by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So it's important to remember that repentance is an act of the will. It's you know, it goes back to this Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. 
We have mistakenly propagated an understanding that we are having to add to what Christ did for our freedom from guilt, our absolution of sin. Let me give you an example. Just And because this is an audio form, you really need to use your imagination to, uh, to see what I'm portraying. Picture in your mind, we, this, these are the two different scenarios that, that I want to kind of illustrate. We are all guilty of sin. We are all guilty um, of falling short. And by way of the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, we come to his to the cross, to to the sacrifice that Jesus put put in effect for those who would receive. We repent, and by grace through faith we're saved. Now, you take this sin, um, this this person saved uh, who has been freed from the consequences of sin. And they, of course, will sin as they walk through their life. And now we have this repentance and we and and how we have portrayed it or imagined it at the very least is okay, I'm guilty, now I've repented again, and I'm acceptable. I walk through life, I sin, I repent, and now I'm acceptable. So we go from unacceptable, acceptable, unacceptable, acceptable. And we go through this this thing of, I would call it futility. Now, picture example number two. This is, this is, in a sense, what we were saying from example number one. We're guilty. We come to the cross. We experience, by grace through faith, salvation, and we become justified. We're now justified in God's sight as if we had not. Our sins have been removed. The blood, now the blood of Jesus Christ, covers and forgives our sin. We're justified, and then through the progression of our lives, we sin we repent, we become justified, we sin, we repent, we become justified. So this is this this is this futile cyclical this ever uh, cycling event. Now, I want to stress something. This is very important because when a lot of religious people will hear this and see where it's headed and and they will be very concerned that what I am proclaiming is actually, uh, it's licensing people to sin. Okay. To be clear, to be explicit, if you don't want to be free from sinning, you're not saved. I don't care what prayer you prayed or what card you signed. If you don't want to be free from sin, you haven't encountered the grace of God to receive salvation by faith. But this is the scandalous love that God has bestowed upon us. Picture now this image. We, like before, guilty of sin, 
we see our need for saving, we repent, we receive by grace through faith the salvation, the atonement that Jesus put forth for us through the shedding of his blood. We receive that, we lay hold of it by faith, and now we are saved. And not just are we saved, but we're justified. And that is the way you remain. Now, you must remain connected to to Christ, to the true vine. We are the branch, and he is the vine. How can a branch survive apart from the vine? It cannot. We must remain in him. Throughout the book of John is a beautiful picture of this in him. Now, the question is, do you sin? And the answer is yes. Does it change the power of Christ's sacrifice? No. No. We have a very low view. I'm speaking of, of religious religious people and not just religious in the in this in the derogatory term uh, i'm afraid that culturally we've we've actually misassigned that word religious isn't a bad thing but we've we've kind of tainted the word among other words in re- religious circles do you sin yes does it change the power of christ's sacrifice no we have a low view of the power of the blood of Jesus. We have a low view. And if we're not careful, we make our repentance an act of the will, we said. Repentance is an act of the will. Of course, God moves on us by His by His Spirit, and we are drawn, we are beckoned to, to Him, unto Him. But God does not, He does not take away the free will we see that all the way back into the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, with, the, with their great fall, which, you know, um, perpetuated the, you know, this great sin that, that all of us inherited by way of disobedience. God does not take away free will. But as the Spirit of God draws men and women and boys and girls into repentance... It is a act of the will. So we need not flirt with this idea that Christ saves us, but we keep ourselves saved. So the question then naturally arises, then why repent? Why is repentance necessary to a believer, to a follower of Christ? And I would say this, it keeps you aligned in Christ. It corrects your course. Imagine this, a, a ship that is heading to a destination, you know, far across the ocean. If it is misaligned by one degree, over a large distance, this will dramatically change their destination. 212 degrees, water boils. At 211 degrees, it's just hot water. 
One degree makes a world of difference. And God has an intention and a design for every, for every person. And how much does he want his children to hit their mark that he has created and destined them for? Repentance. Repentance takes yourself out of the, out of the equation. It recognizes the frailty of our mind and our heart, the weaknesses that we succumb to by our flesh. And it says, God, I see what I have done. Thank you for showing me. I recorrect, I realign to the leadership of Jesus. I allow him to, to be the leader, the perfect leader who, who goes before me and I follow after. It keeps us aligned. It corrects our misalignment and it will, and it will correct the course of our lives. Now, a question that is very likely to be coming up in your mind is, well, if repentance is not about cleansing, then can one even lose their salvation? Now, this is a huge debatable topic, and I'm not even going to begin to to unpack, nor do I have the, the skill set to do so. But remember, you must ask the question, how do you obtain salvation? And, and that is answered in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. So you obtain salvation by grace, the grace, the goodness, the undeserving um, gift of God. It is by grace through faith. Now, Paul's teachings throughout the New Testament are very clear that there does occur a departing from faith. He speaks on this in 1 Timothy 4.1 where he tells Timothy and, and those connected to him that the Spirit of God expressly says that in the latter days there will be a departing from the faith, turning to deceiving uh, spirits. And so it is very clear that there is a departure from faith. And so I share in this, in this, uh, in this belief that one can depart from the faith. Because if you answer the question, how does one obtain salvation? It's through faith. And if, if faith is the mechanism by which salvation occurs, then departing from faith or unbelief is the exit door. In a previous episode, I gave an illustration of a car traveling from point A to point B, and we'll call we called point B this the this salvation, and you're driving in this car from point A, the starting point where you are in life, and you are driving to point B. We call that salvation, although salvation is much more than just a you know a destination; it is a doorway. But we go we're driving to point B, but we have to pass through this tunnel. And this is, and this is the picture of faith. 
it is by grace through faith that we obtain salvation. And so, yes, I do believe that there is a departing from faith when one when a person falls into consistent unbelief and refuses to submit to the leadership of Jesus, there is a departure from faith. So, you see repentance of sin doesn't save you. That's 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 a statement that that warrants much thought. It's not the it's not the repentance of sin that saves you. Faith in Jesus saves you. The initial repentance into the faith, the blood of Jesus, cleanses you of all sin. You, you need to ask yourself the question, did Jesus just give you his blood for your past sins but not your future ones? Are we required to repent to be cleansed over and over and over? No, we have, we need a higher view of the effectiveness, the power, and the might, the accomplishing power of the blood of Jesus. When it is applied in, in and through your life, it is powerful beyond our understanding. This is why Paul, in Romans 7 and 8 and, and other places, He's, he tries to be very clear. He's like, wait a second. I'm telling you about this great news. And to some who listen, are, they're, they're now saying that, oh, wait, so you are you saying that I should just sin all the more so grace can abound all the more? Of course not. The good news is so scandalously good that he has to clarify. The, he, has to, he has to reveal a underlying condition of the heart. This isn't a license. When you get so recklessly in love with the eyes of Jesus, it drives you into this place of, I don't want to settle for uh, lesser lovers. I don't want to lay hold of inferior ways. This, if we're not careful, this repent to be cleansed perspective is, is a very humanistic law mentality which adds to what Jesus accomplished through the cross. The connecting shoot that keeps you attached to the vine as the branch is faith. Faith, too, is very scandalous we ask the question, this is all that is necessary for salvation? Yes. By the grace of God, through faith, you are saved. This is the one reason unconverted Jews in the days of Christ hated the gospel, because it tore down their works-based system. The stumbling block, the cornerstone, Jesus, this kingdom that he's building is near and at hand. It's here to access, and you don't have to work for it. He is effectively saying, I became the sacrifice of atonement. Believe in me and find life. This is 
great news. Now, in one of the texts that I want to spend a little bit of un- a little bit of time unpacking is first John one verse nine. And many of you probably are thinking of this very verse, and it's in first John one nine it says, If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful scripture. It's a beautiful promise. And I do not detract from that in the least. However, that is an explicit call to repentance. Undeniable. But look at verse 8, the verse right before it. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, so if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe verse 8 is the preface to to whom verse 9 applies. Verse 9, so great and explicit an application. Now let's back up and see what verse 7 says. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I believe it is important for us to take an elevated view of the power of the cross and Jesus' spilt blood. Uh, Consider for just a moment uh, Matthew chapter 26, verses 27 through 28. I'm going to turn with it uh, to that with you. Matthew 26, 27 through 28. And see, Jesus is, this is the what we call the Lord's Supper. Verse 26 says, While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Verse 27, Then he took a cup, And after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In in Hebrews 9.22, it talks about that there is, under the law, there is, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. In 9.26 in Hebrews, and it goes on to say, but as it is, he has appeared, he, Jesus, has appeared once for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. See, his death, his shed blood offers forgiveness of sin. 
if we will receive him and by faith lay hold to the grace that he has made available to those who will believe. As we have put the desires of self to death and we let Jesus rule and reign over our lives, we can walk in this newness of life. Once you have turned away from sin, you turn away from darkness. You have become a child of God through Jesus Christ. We are trying to establish what does that repentance accomplish. And so if we go back to our scripture there in 1 John, and, and I'm just going to start with verse 5 and read it, read it through in chapter 1. 1 John 1, starting at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him, Jesus, and proclaimed to you. That God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are not while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's important to remember as we walk in the light, as we walk in fellowship with Jesus, as we remain connected to the true vine as branches off of him, we fellowship with him, we, we submit ourselves to his perfect leadership, we fellowship, we dine, and the blood, his blood cleanses us from all sin. Now John adds this next these next two verses because he's he's really trying to highlight to illustrate something. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe those two verses are very specific to those whom either one say that they do not have any sin because they're deceived. But he says, if you will just confess your sin, he is faithful to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But it is through verse seven, it is through walking in fellowship with with him, staying connected to him, that we have fellowship with even one another, other believers. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So I want to leave you with a parting thought. As I believe th th that the Lord has been showing me, adjusting my perspective, it's not to argue against the need for repentance. Repentance is, is beautiful, it's necessary, but the question arises, what does it accomplish to those whom are saved? It's not a keeping of salvation. It's a realigning to the perfect leadership of Jesus. It's a taking ourselves off of the throne of our hearts and submitting to his leadership. 
It's a daily denial of self. It's an awareness of the frailty of our hearts and our minds. And it's a surrender to the leadership of Jesus. It's not a reapplication of justification, of cleansing, of, of making ourselves acceptable. The blood of Jesus accomplished that at the cross. Past, present, and future sins accomplished at, at the cross for those who would believe and be connected to the true vine. So I thank you for taking the time to listen to this. I hope it touched your heart. Um, There is only one name under heaven whereby men, women, boys, and girls can be saved. And that's Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, who being God himself, dwelt, became in the form of man, being 100% God, 100% man. It's a paradigm that our minds can't even comprehend. And once we get to a place where we think we understand it, 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 it goes even beyond. But he, God himself, dwelt in the flesh, Jesus Christ, lived obedient to his Father, Father God, even unto death, even unto death on a cross, so that humanity in our frailness in our weakness, could by by the name of Jesus receive salvation purely by the grace of God, of the goodness of his desire to redeem mankind, to redeem humanity, man, men, women, boys, girls, redeem them back to himself. This is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So to those who have listened to this and have yet to give their hearts to Jesus, to deny themselves, to come under the leadership, the perfect, loving, mighty, powerful, sovereign leadership of Jesus, to those who have yet to do that, I invite you to open your heart to Jesus and say, I want what has been made available and teach me what it means to be surrendered to your love, your goodness, your might. And, and he will, he will come and do a great work in your life. So I thank you and I bless you and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining me. I hope this blessed your heart and you leave with something special. Let us press in to know him more. Let us press in to know him more. And he will find us in seeking and seek us in finding. God bless you.